This podcast is listener supported. To help us out, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Red Bull Rant. The Red Bull Rant is a free-flowing podcast with three soccer-loving idiots who don't know when to shut their dumb potty mouths. So listener discretion, yeah, it's it's pretty much advised. Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. This is the Red Bull Ram Podcast, the official Red Bull Podcast of Espanation and What's Metro. I'm your host, Jason Ipico. I'm Pat McDonald. I'm Truman, and this is episode 204, 2, 2, go. Truman worked really hard on that one. I did. Listen. A little bit of alliteration there. Yeah, Devil's Game starting, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. We got some hockey, got some playoff baseball. Hey, so you what, know what? what's the you get? That's all you get. When, when you get alliteration into a show title, it doesn't <laughs> matter how it happens. It's impressive. You know, and it's like, if there's one thing Americans can can all get behind, isn't it? Make the Cubs win again? Come on. Yes, I, I'm fully behind that. I mean, come fully on. behind it. I mean, I guess. It's not, part, okay, I, I say this as a longtime suffering Jets fan, but sometimes it, it's, it's kind of nice to see teams lose like that because only... Only because it's nice to drown yourself in the salty tears, and I and I say that full well knowing the, how that can come back to haunt me. But I'm just, I don't know. There you go. You're a miserable person. <laughs> hey, I like my job right now, so I'm not miserable. So, anyway, uh, you know who else is not miserable? Red Bull fans, because hey, MLS is back. Yay! Yay! And we're and we are in the playoffs, which hasn't changed since we didn't play last week. But uh, someone who did play was Sasha Kleschen and played a lot in the two friendlies for the United States. Uh, first game was this past Friday, 2 nothing win for the United States. Uh, first time in Cuba, I think, ever, was it ever? I don't know if they ever played uh, uh, before the embargo. For, yeah, they, they played uh, They played the friendly. It was the first friendly since 1947. They have okay. played uh, qualifiers in Cuba since then. Okay. And then... Uh, 1-1 draw against New Zealand at home. Uh, Sasha Kleschen playing seventy, basically 70 minutes for the first one and then the full game in the second. Um, and apparently a big story against the United States wasn't so much the scoreline, it was the attendance because... Who doesn't like to talk about attendance? Everybody. Stop uh, playing in a dump. Everybody. Stop playing New Zealand. Seriously. You, On a you, Tuesday you, night. U.S. soccer doesn't advertise enough. Yeah. Sorry, I had to get that in there. Um... Honestly, I did not watch a single minute of these games. Actually, I think I watched like 10 minutes of the New Zealand game before halftime, but I didn't watch most of these games. Well, I mean, the, the, the Cuba game was like on a weekday afternoon. Yeah, It was like, uh, what, like four, 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday, and I was traveling down to Southern Maryland, so I'm not like, really paying attention to it. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, apparently the lights the Cuba the Cuban Stadium were like pre-Cold War era, so they weren't exactly in tip-top shape. Well... <laughs> Judging based on the interview we had with uh, Ariel Castillo from MLSsoccer.com, which is coming up, by the way, uh, that's not too surprising. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but so how did how did the guys do? The United States do against Cuba, uh, Cuba and I guess New Zealand. It's like eh, but like how did everybody do? Like how did question look? Uh, question, you know, did not do enough to I'd say to 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 do uh, dislodge him. From uh, the position that he built himself after those two stellar games at the end of qualification, uh, I think he was a bit better against New Zealand. Uh, he was not very good against Cuba, although I'm like willing to give him a pass because the condition of that field was it was the worst field I think I've ever seen a televised soccer match on. I mean, worse than anything we have seen in Concacaf in a long time. Um, you know, that's hopefully once American dollars and freedom. Come to Cuba. Uh, that's something they'll be able to fix. Uh, you know, so because it, it, it just really was. It was in awful shape. Uh, so I give him a bit of a pass on that. Uh, he in New Zealand. I think he, while he never uh, connected on an assist or a goal for that matter, I think some of the aside from the goal they did score, which uh, was an assist by Josie Altador, um, You know, some of the best chances came through Sasha. I think he's the one uh, most willing to take chances, try to squeeze that ball into tight spaces. 
sometimes it backfires. He he, ha- he does have a penchant for turning it over, but he also has a penchant for creating. So uh, I I think he should be the uh, number ten starter um, in, in Mexico against Mexico. Uh, I've certainly seen some reports from people that think it should be Bedoya. Um, I'm definitely not on that. Definitely not on that train. So uh, we shall see. Um, but I, I think right now he, he, he'll definitely be in. If he's not in the the 23 for uh, for uh, the game against Mexico, then that's just an absolute travesty. I think my highlight of the New Zealand game uh, was Damian Paranel saying, isn't there a better place they could be playing than RFK Stadium? <laughs> Bazinga! That was my favorite part. Zing. I mean, that, that, got, uh, that got my favorite in retweet right there. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure there was probably a, I don't know, like a 25,000-seat stadium uh, not that far away from RFK where they could have played and maybe gotten a better crowd and, and, a, and a nicer stadium. They wouldn't have gotten a better crowd. <laughs> We're not talking Philly. It would have been a nicer stadium. It would have been that, but it wouldn't have been a better crowd. You know, I don't even care. Put put that game in Philly. Put it at the uh, whatever the Union Stadium is called nowadays. Yeah. Something Energy Park? Yeah, whatever. It's going to change next year anyway, so it doesn't really matter. So somebody in uh, D.C. is clearly has, like, naked pictures of Sunil Gladi or something. Because <laughs> uh, that's the only... Only reason I can see why they keep playing a stupid, crappy RK. Well, maybe they'll maybe they'll play in the uh, new DC stadium. Oh wait, that that's going to take even longer to build because drama. Yeah, because bureaucracy. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so, by the way, I have to ask this question, uh, Pat. Since you said that they need money and freedom in Cuba to, to make a better field, do we need to make Cuba great again? We need to make Cuba great again. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes, and there's only one man who can make that happen. I've been, I've been to Cuba. Cuba is tremendous. I love the Cuban people. I think that's what should, you know. Whoever the loser is of this election, and I'm pretty sure we all know who that's going to be at this point. Uh, send them to Cuba, and they can go fix Cuba. I'm pretty sure that person's already the loser of this election cycle. Uh, oh no, this election is over, which is why I don't understand why people are still posting about it on social media. <laughs> And just making me depressed. Because <laughs> like, memes are fun. I, I'm glad. Okay, not to get. We're not getting too political, but I'm just going to say this. I'm glad I haven't been watching the debates. Yeah, I didn't watch either one. Yeah, and I'll say. And I'm not without getting political, like specifically political. I can all I can say is that anytime someone's like, "If you love America, you got to vote this way," and it does come from both sides. That's it pretty. True. It pretty much makes me hate America. So, <laughs> so if you're telling me I have to vote in certain ways. For me to prove I love America, that post makes me hate you and America. I think we're going to have a new presidential candidate by the end of this podcast. Uh, that's very possible. Yeah. It's me. I, <laughs> I, 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 I can't run until the next one. Yeah, I, I would just qualify. Actually, no, I'd be like a year past the qualification age of the next one, I think. So you're saying it's up to me. Is that what you guys are saying? It's my job to take in. So, the, yeah, wait, so there's no requ- there's no requirement for vice president, right? So we could be the uh, run- can, someone of us could be the running mate. All right. If you could like, you know, make a child your VP. Hmm. Wow, well, I mean, within reason, right? I'd like to introduce my vice presidential candidate, uh, Billy. Billy likes blocks and play doh. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, sometimes you know eats stuff that's on the floor. <laughs> but isn't he adorable, folks? He's adorable. All right, that was Political Hour brought to you by the Red Bull Rant. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't specific um, except for the fact that we clearly all don't like one person. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just so easy to make fun of, that's all. Yeah, that's true. I mean, come on, if, if it wasn't as easy to make fun of, we wouldn't have bothered. Um, mm-hmm. All right, so uh, while the Red Bulls didn't play, Red Bulls 2 did play. They had their second round playoff match in the USL playoffs. I did not watch this, and I was told I missed oh, a very... I, I was away all weekend, and I forgot about it, and I'm sorry. Okay, I'm a bad person. I get this. Let's just move past that part and talk about the actual game. I didn't watch it, so, and I don't... You can think I'm a bad person. I just don't care. <laughs> well, you're American. That's why you don't care what people think. Exactly. <laughs> all right, so, Truman, why don't you walk us through what happened, since you're the only one that apparently watched this game. 
and I watched it. Uh, did I watch it? I watched this on my phone again because that's what I got to do sometimes. Hey, that's, Probably, the beauty, that's the beauty of YouTube. Yeah, it really was, and it's it should still be available to go to go check out because you couldn't ask for a more exciting game. The Red Bulls went up one nothing. Uh, Rochester equalized almost immediately. Uh, Red Bull scored again just before the half. Rochester scores in the second half. It goes into extra time. Rochester scores late. Red Bulls get a penalty kick. I mean, right towards the end of the game, score the penalty kick. It goes to, it goes to uh, penalties. And they were pretty much uh, even the whole time until I believe it was the fourth. I think it was the fourth attempt. Uh, Rochester skies one over, which is just so inexcusable for me. I, I hate I hate it when balls get skied over the net. Um, Red, yeah, I mean, there's just, just well, we're talking penalty kicks here, not free kicks. But, um, yeah, so and the Red Bulls, I mean, they scored on all of theirs. And not only did they win, they buried the last kick, and they pretty much had a mosh pit behind the goal with the South Ward, which was awesome. There was a good amount of South Ward fans there, which was great to see. Uh, players jumping into the stands, embracing fans. It, it was really, it was an awesome moment. Um, to watch, and I, I'm hoping we get more of that this Sunday because they are playing right after the Red Bulls game at I think the game's at 6:30. So I, I don't see why you shouldn't stick around unless you got big plans. Um, I will definitely be sticking around and watching that game and cheering on uh, Red Bull too. Well, I know I'll be watching him on YouTube because the New York Jets don't play till Monday night and. Well, the way the Jets are going this year, it won't matter anyway. So right. why not? Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'm going to go back and watch the penalty kicks, at, at least the penalty kicks, because i got to see the mosh pit at the end. It, it, oh, man, it was really, it was just unbridled joy. It was it was great to see. It really was. You could see how much the players appreciated those fans being there. Yeah, I can, well, I, I can only imagine. And I don't know what's going to happen with the final, but we're kind of suck if we don't get it at this point. But it, yeah. it is what it is. Um all right, so I think that's it for the first segment because we have nothing else to to, re- to recap since Red Bulls were not playing. Right. Um, anything else you guys want to talk about in in the, all this stuff, or do you just want to move on to our uh, interview? We got an awesome interview, so let's do that, and then we'll do some uh, Red Bull previewing. All right. Good job. All right, so with that, we'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more Red Bull rant right after this. Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. Our guest for tonight, uh, our, her second time on the show, is the editor for Major League Soccer, and she just got back from a very cool trip, which is what we're going to talk about. Welcome back, Ariel Castillo. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, our pleasure. You, uh, you took a little trip that we're really excited to talk about. Um, you went down to Cuba with the U.S. national team to watch them play uh, Cuba, and you wrote an outstanding article that's on MLSsoccer.com, so... I'd like you to talk just a little bit about the trip of um, when you first found out about there's a possibility of going and then actually going, and just a little bit about what it was like actually uh, being down there. Okay, well, um, <laughs> so as I mentioned in the story, which thank you very much for reading it, because it sort of started as one thing and then it just turned into this super long piece. But anyway, as I spoke about in that story, which is on MLSpocket.com, so my background uh, is on Cuban-American. And my father and his family left the island in 1959, and right uh, sort of when Fidel Castro's revolution was starting. Um, and nobody has been back, really, uh, until very recently when one of my cousins was able to visit, and then I had another relative who uh, went to see the Pope a couple times, actually. But anyway, so I was the first person uh, in my immediate family to go back, and the second one of sort of my generation in the family um, and at first I was kind of nervous about telling some of my older relatives, but everyone was really supportive. Things have just changed so much between the countries in the last couple of years that everyone was super supportive. But, uh, you know, I found out that I would potentially be going on this trip a, a while back. But I didn't tell anyone. I didn't, didn't talk to anybody about it because I just, there was a part of me that didn't believe it was really going to happen until 
it actually happened. And the crazy part is I went down to Miami. I went to the guys' training camp in Miami. And I was set to charter out last Wednesday. And of course, that's right when Hurricane Matthew was sort of threatening uh, both the southeast coast of Florida and the Caribbean. And, you know, at first I thought, okay, I'll have come this far and not get to go because of the hurricane. But I actually made it out of my charter on Wednesday. And, yeah, and just the flight 40 minutes from Miami and just that first sighting of the island was really, really surreal. Because it's this place that I was raised just hearing about in this kind of mythical way. And I, I, it was like it didn't really exist until I actually touched down on the ground. And then I just had this mixture of, like, awe and kind of fear. Because when you get there, it's, I mean, the airport is like a little chaotic and it's dark and, you know, you, there's not really a lot of signage to tell you what's going on. And then the second I spoke to the customs agent, I was like, oh my God, all right, this is happening. So, so that takes me to the airport arrival and, and it just hits you the second you walk out of the airport, like, okay, this is, this is happening because there are just people everywhere. Um, there's like loud music. There really are just all these taxis lining up, and half of them really are these very old, jerry-rigged, sort of ingeniously repaired cars from the 50s and 60s or later, like old Soviet cars. And then, yeah, you gotta you gotta haggle with a guy. I mean, there's some of the taxis have meters; no one uses them, so you have to bargain on how much it's going to cost to get to your hotel. And then, yeah, and the next thing you know, you're you're on the road. There's like. Fidel billboards everywhere, socialist billboards everywhere. Uh, <laughs> just it just full on. Um, so that was my experience of getting there. <laughs> and yeah. so I, I, you know, we got out and it, it, we were driving on the road, and I think the first billboard was like a a socialism or death billboard. Then there was another one that was like said something like "This is true brotherhood," and it was. Fidel Castro with uh, Maduro from Venezuela, and uh, I was like, "Well, this is happening. This is real. I'm here." <laughs> so, so, how do you feel? Yeah. Do you feel like you're uh, by any chance treated uh, differently, having been being the you know granddaughter of someone who did leave uh, after Castro took over power in Cuba? I'm sorry. It's, um, so it's my fa- my father left. So daughter oh, of okay. someone who left. Uh, yeah, no, I, I had some apprehension about that, but actually, people were awesome. Like, everyone there, I, it sounds so cliche, but everyone there is just so cool and so welcoming. And they're just so, a lot of people are obviously are fascinated with American culture because they haven't been able to experience it or have much contact with it directly. So everyone was awesome. They're like, you're Cuban? Great. Like, welcome home. <laughs> and the hotel I stayed in, the Hotel Nacional, which is like this really old historic hotel, was actually two blocks away from the house where my father and his family, his siblings, grew up. So, yeah, people were like, yeah, welcome back <laughs> to the neighborhood. And I was able to go by and see the house. So it was pretty surreal. Um, now, oh, you, sorry, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, you also did talk about the article about, like, uh, the bureaucracy of everything, that how it is, very bureaucratic it is down there. Uh, were, I mean, once you got those passes, were you able to travel around pretty freely, or was it still somewhat restricted uh, for Americans? No. Yeah, no. I mean, I think, first of all, I mean, I speak Spanish, and on top of that, I speak Spanish with a Cuban accent to some extent, so I think that really helped. And once I started talking to people, they were like, oh, yeah, it's this way, this way, do that. So, I mean, maybe it was like that in the past where they tried to sort of move tourists, you know, to certain places or not, but... Mm. No, I mean, it, it, it's so interesting because you hear all these kind of horror stories and maybe 10% of them are true, 20%. Some, well, some of them are definitely true. But as far as being there, no, I mean, you can come and go as you please. It's just a matter of sort of like your street smarts and mm-hmm. language skills and your knowledge of like who's trying to hustle you or not. <laughs> no, so there definitely are be. a lot of hustles. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, so obviously you were there yeah, covering. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, there's just so if you don't know Spanish, it's there's just a lot of like what you would find. Well, it's kind of like being around the Empire State Building or Times Square or something when people try to sell you comedy tickets or tours or whatever. It's like that, but every five feet, <laughs> you know. So, uh, 
so that, yeah, that was the only thing if you, but it was pretty easy to sort of breeze by that if you speak Spanish. Uh, so obviously you were there to cover uh, the United States uh, game against Cuba. How was the, the men's team uh, received in Cuba? Not at the game itself, but you know when they came in the airport, when they're uh, around the area. How were people uh, generally towards them? Were like was it a more friendly attitude, or was it kind of what you would kind of expect in other you know South American countries, where you get a little bit more chiding because it is you know it's United States and we're the big dog and all that stuff. Uh, like, what was the general reception of the team when they got down there? Yeah, so actually, it's, it's good that you asked that because I don't think I went into that too much in my piece just because I was so overwhelmed with trying to cram everything else in. Um, no, everyone was super excited that the U.S. men's national team was there. And of course, you know, blah, 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 Cuba is a baseball country. And there is a pretty growing soccer culture there. Not so much with their domestic league, although they have a pretty, uh, they have a couple of pretty solid teams in their domestic league. But European soccer is huge there because it's shown on their on their regular sort of state TV. Um, so everywhere you go, people are wearing Messi and Ronaldo jerseys and uh, some sort of like Bundesliga German fandom is happening there too. And um, so they were just like super stoked to see what they perceive as like one of the top teams in hockey Pass. And the players and the coach both said that in their press conferences. You know, they were just excited to face a good opponent, what they consider to be one of the top two teams in CONCACAF. Um, and then on game day, they filed in sort of all the Cuban fans first because I guess the American Outlaws hadn't even made it because they made this heroic charter switch at the last minute. But anyway, so it was, you know, hundreds and thousands, or not hundreds and thousands, thousands of Cuban fans sort of filing in before the game. And everyone was chanting for Cuba and had their flags and everything. But um, <laughs> there were groups of Cuban fans in the stands wearing all-stars and striped stuff. And there was this one guy, I didn't get a good photo of it, so I didn't include it in my piece, but he had this flag, it was him and three friends, and they were all dressed up, and one had like a shirt with an eagle on it, and he was wearing a, an American flag as a cape, and this guy had this flag, and on the flag he had painted the word, uh, something like, Mr., like, Dear President Obama, please let me travel to see the Curry <laughs> show. And I love America. And then it just said NBA. I love America. So there was a group of, yeah, I'll try to find a photo, a better photo. But so there were like four guys with him. They were just like, and they had a flag dedicated to Jose Fernandez of the Marlins. And so there's definitely a contingent there that were just really excited to see anything American sports. And so, you know, the teams came out to do warm-ups, and the Cuban teams came out first, and everyone was cheering, and music was playing and stuff, and then it was time for the Cuban team to come out. I mean, I'm sorry, the American team to come out, and that was sort of the moment of truth for me. Like, all right, how are they going to react? But when the American guys came out, everyone cheered. I mean, there was, <laughs> there was not wow. a boo Jeez. in the play. So you could, yeah, yeah, which was, that, that for me really it gave me kind of chills because on one hand it's like okay well the soccer part of this is not <laughs> such a huge point of national pride here yet but it really gave me chills to just see all the people have such a warm attitude towards American athletes and the team yeah what was, was uh, like crazy. overall the players uh, the US players impression of um, coming there and, and, and like the stadium yeah uh <laughs> The stadium, I didn't get to really talk to anyone specifically about it, but as I mentioned in the piece, again, I was the only sort of English-language journalist who made it down there who wasn't from one of the broadcast partners. So <laughs> there was a mix zone after the game, but it was, again, only me. Like, I was <laughs> one woman mix zone and then the two guys from U.S. soccer. Um, so Wando came out, and I talked to him for a bit, and he specifically was just so stoked to be there. He said he had loved, he didn't talk about the city, but he just loved the whole experience of getting there. He said he just loved Havana, he loved the cars, he loved the buildings. So I think everyone really appreciated that it was sort of a unique experience, even within the sort of CONCACAF travel diaries realm. So, so um, a, a significant bunch of American fans did make it down there for the game. How did uh, they interact with the Cuban fans? Did they really get to interact much at all? So, yeah, so the story of the, it's about 70 guys, 70 people 
from American Outlaws made it down there. But the interesting thing is they weren't the only American fans because anyone wearing like an American jersey up talked to them. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were a few there were a few smaller groups of people who had just kind of made it on their own or people who were like expats and living and working in Cuba. There were a small handful and people who just lived in other countries but were Americans. Um, so they were there sort of here and there throughout. But a group of about 70 American outlaws were supposed to come down on Thursday, um, but their charter got canceled for Miami because of the sort of hurricane launch. So they sort of heroically found a new flight out of Tampa on Friday, which is game day, and they made it in, like, t- literally 20 minutes Jeez. before kickoff. Um, and, yeah, and so the stadium didn't <laughs> – the stadium didn't have any assigned seats. Like, it was just total madness. Um, they The seats were just, like, concrete benches, and cops were just letting people, like, walk up and down, whatever. I think the tickets were probably free. I didn't see any any – money changing hands. I think they just let people in, but um maybe they did. I don't know. But uh so there was no sort of like special cordoned off area for, you know, away fans, let's say. But it was totally cool. And then um <laughs> Dr. Jill Biden Whoa. came to the game and she walked to the crowd and like Yeah, she was visiting um the she was visiting the country on a humanitarian trip. So she went to the game and like high fives all the American outlaws, and I thought she posed uh, for selfies with some of the guys. Um, so it's <laughs> like a weird kind of cool extra thing. Um, but, but yeah, it was all. I mean, it was it was all love. I mean, this one guy in the stand, and people were waving American flags. This one guy had made a flag that was like Cuba on one side, USA on the other. So I think they people are just really happy to see Americans there. I'm sort of really appreciative of the fact that we That's made it awesome. down there. Uh, actually, my last question before we segue a little to MLS is, yeah. do you think that Sasha Kleischen was a little bit more accepted than the other players because of his sweet, sweet mustache? <laughs> um, it's definitely a country that That's appreciates what I'm facial hair. Uh, so I, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's always a plus, but you know, I, I'm super glad Sasha's back uh, in the fold, but if he's going to keep playing in the Caribbean, I'm a little worried. I think he might need to get some color because it's super brutal. Down there. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about uh, MLS since we only have a couple weeks left in the season before the playoffs start. Uh, how exciting is yeah. this Eastern Conference final going to be in these last two weeks? Oh my god! So <laughs> it's just so funny. I feel like the Eastern Conference, the the big narrative, like the entire season this year, has been New York versus New York, and the fact that it could come down to New York, New York for real is uh, <laughs> it almost sounds like it was a conspiracy but I can promise you it was not um, <laughs> so I'm super excited although Toronto's still in it depending on what happens uh, this weekend so we'll see who, who would you say I, I, I don't know if you're allowed to do this but who do you think has really the inside scoop on clinching the Eastern Conference would you say it's the Red Bulls because they already have uh you know, they're already in first place, they have everything in control, or do you think, like, maybe NYCFC will have a little bit of an easier uh, last two games? Well, no, I I was looking, I mean, I was thinking about this today, and the the thing that I think it's going to come down to, I mean, I think, so, the Red Bulls host Columbus, I mean, that's obviously, you know, no disrespect to Crew FC fans, but I think if the Red Bulls can't can't beat Columbus at home, there's, I mean, a huge problem. So, that should be easy. Um, NYCFC, they face DC. I'm a little uh, DC could surprise, but I think I think NYCFC will probably win in DC just by their road form has been very good. So I think this weekend is not what anyone has to worry about. I think it's next weekend, um, and I think it could be I think it could be pretty neck and neck to the end. Basically, I'm worried about the Red Bulls and their last road game. So they really can't sort of bungle a road lead again. It's going to come down to that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean. Oh, it's been killing us this year, absolutely killing us. I think they could have clinched the seal- shield already if they hadn't dropped so many 2-0 leads. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate. It's, there's just such a wide gap between the shield contenders in the West and how many points everyone has in the East. So I, I think, I mean, I think we could come out of this weekend sort of still tied, <laughs> you know, for first. Um, but any slip from anyone is going to knock Toronto back up. So we'll see. Now, the common refrain amongst many bloggers, fans, is that the hottest team at the end of the season 
is the favorite for the MLS Cup. So considering that, do you think the fact that the Red Bulls have not lost since July 3rd uh, gives them an advantage, or do you kind of feel like that shoe, that loss, is about to drop and possibly during the playoffs? You know, I think <laughs> in MLS, one of the joys of MLS is that you can never tell mm-hmm. um, what will happen, especially I feel like Saturday. Well, all the games are on Sunday, so that we've got that going for us. Um, I think it's pretty hard to keep up a winning streak. Again, I think it's going to be fine at home this weekend. I think everyone needs to worry about the 23rd. And everyone, I mean, I include NYC in that, and I include Toronto. Um, but, you know, Sasha's going to be back. BWP is still killing it. So, uh, I don't know. I think he's still looking good. What do you, you think is going to be the must-watch game uh, the last week of the season? I mean, I know where I'm going to be in the last week of the season. What do you think is like the, the must-watch? Will it be that New York-Philly game? I, I mean, it could be the, the Vancouver game. Uh, L.A.-Dallas is probably going to be pretty huge. On the tw- um, so, Decision Day, yes, October 23rd, every team plays. Well, I'm going to be <laughs> looking like I'm going to be in L.A. for L.A.-Dallas. So I think I think that's essential watching anyway for the West because that's, and, and it could determine whether Dallas takes the shield or not. Um, and, uh, New York Philly, I mean, I think anyone who's interested in the East needs to watch all of the New York and Toronto games uh, this weekend and next weekend, especially this weekend, because, um, yeah, a lot of writing on it. So my answer is all of them and that you should buy an MLS Live one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that is an option. As a person who lives out of market, I am glad I bought the season ticket. <laughs> yeah. But if you didn't, it's seven ninety nine for one day of all the soccer, although blackout rules still apply. So there, I said it. <laughs> so I but guess, I, but if, if yeah, if I was out of market, if I was out of market, I would get it though, just because I think if I was a really hardcore fan, um, I would want to know what was happening in those three games on Sunday. So as we come into the uh, end of the season, super early prediction: who you got as MLS Cup champion? Oh. <laughs> I'm always uh, scared of going on record about that kind of thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can say the Tampa Bay Mutiny. It's okay. I don't know. You can say the Tampa Bay yeah, Mutiny if what? you want. It's all right. We don't mind. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to say <laughs> the Miami Fusion. No. Uh, I, 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 honestly think, I honestly think that it, right now it's, me, if I had to pick four, I would definitely narrow it down to New York, NYC, Dallas, or LA. One of those. I mean, there could always be a shocker depending on how the playoffs go, but to me, those are among the strongest teams. Although, everyone forgets about Real Salt Lake, and I think they could do some serious damage in the West. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. And Seattle, too, could be a shocker as well, just because the last mm-hmm. half of their season has been All right, crazy. I have one more question, and we're going to get you out of here. We know you have another thing to do, which we won't talk about here in Red Bull World. Uh, but, you know, election season <laughs> is upon us. There's lots of great debates go on. What I want to know is if you're going to pick one member of the U.S. national team to run for president, who are you picking? Oh, my gosh. Um, well, let's see. I would probably vote for Sasha because I think his uh, mustache is pretty pretty presidential and he's also a great diplomat and he's also very smart he's one of the smartest guys to talk to so I think those are all good qualities yeah I'm not so sure about his fiscal <laughs> policy <laughs> and I, I, I like that he sort of has immigrant roots as well so he kind of understands yeah, very true great. amen yeah yeah All right. No, go ahead. Uh, uh, before we let you, <laughs> sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this one. You got the intro. I got the outro. Uh, Ariel, before we let you go, obviously, we want to give you a chance to promote uh, your presence online and, where, and your work. So, where can people find you online? Where can they find your writing? All that good stuff. Sure. Um, well, as I am a senior editor for MLS, you can go to mlssoccer.com and type in my name, which is A R I E L L E. C-A-S-T-I-L-L-O and my other people come up but uh, on Twitter it's at R-E-L-C so A-R-I-E-L-L-E-C it's the same thing on Instagram and on Snapchat it's R-E-L meow M-E-O-W 
It wouldn't be the internet without cats. <laughs> that's all I gotta say. What? Well, Ariel, Ar- Ariel C was taken on Snapchat, so I don't even know who she is, but I want it back. <laughs> uh, reminds me of days when you had to pay for Twitter handles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're gonna uh, take a quick break. Uh, Ariel, thank you for coming on. Uh, taking time out of a busy day. Yeah. And and I'm glad that you came on the Red Bull podcast after the NYCFC podcast because before, you know, obviously before, yeah, we got the lead. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm sorry. I thought it was after. Either either way, either way. That's right. We, we're, we're the better team. So. <laughs> I, I love every, all my children equally. <laughs> <laughs> so someone's been taking diplomacy lessons from question. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Thank you, Ariel. Thank you. We'll be back with more Rebel Rant right after this. Welcome back to Rebel Rant. Uh, once again, you want to thank Ariel Castillo for coming on the show. You can read her stuff at MLSsoccer.com. Uh, so as we were talking about with her, the New York Red Bulls uh, currently tied in the standings with New York City FC. Both teams at 51 points. Red Bulls currently leading in goal difference, 14-4, to and that is the separator. So if the season were to end right now before this game happens on Sunday, Red Bulls would be the number one seed. Uh, but the season does not end right now. There's two games to go, as our show title so eloquently put it. Um, first up for the Red Bulls is a home match, the last one of the year, or last one of the regular season anyway, against the Columbus Crew, who are at this point virtually eliminated um, from playoff contention pretty much once this weekend is over. I think they're officially out. Um, so let's get right into this one with our predictions. Pat, you can go for... Oh, yeah, actually, I got to tell you the information. Uh, Sunday, October 16th, 3 p.m. start time on MSG. Not ESPN or Fox. Apparently, this is not a national game this week. Uh, so, now, Pat, you can go. What do you think is going to happen on Sunday? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, Ariel, she kind of touched upon it. Like, if the Rebels can't win this game... Uh, they don't die straight, so, I mean, at least in terms of, you know, finishing top to East and really securing their playoff uh, trajectory. Uh, so, I, I, you know, they've been great at home for the most part this season, 12-2-2. and um, You know, so I, I'm definitely going to go with a win. I mean, Columbus is, while they're, they're certainly going to be playing for their playoff lives, uh, I don't think they have a realistic chance of uh, making it. Uh, in fact, what they have a game tonight, actually, yeah. So they'll, you know, as after tonight, they may very well be out of it. But um, you know, it's it's just it's you just can't see Columbus getting a win here. Um, you know, their offense isn't anything great. I mean, they're really just the epitome of MLS mediocrity. Uh, so I'm gonna go with Red Bulls winning this one. Uh, I do think it's gonna be a bit emphatic. I'm gonna move away from my two nothing usual prediction, which means this will be the week they will go win two nothing. Uh, but I'm gonna go with a three nothing victory. Uh, so Rebels kick some ass on Sunday. If the crew are playing uh, for the playoff lives, I want the Red Bulls to murder their hopes. Yeah, this weekend, yeah. they need to murder them. It, it's so important to win your final home game. This has all been, been talking about for several weeks now. And I'm just reiterating it again. That you absolutely need to win at home. This game, crucial, especially if the Smurfs drop points against uh, D.C. this weekend. I, and D.C. is playing pretty damn well. So that there's a good chance of that happening. Uh, absolutely, you got to win. Do I want to say 2 nothing? No, I'm going to go with your standard 2-1, which is, I think, you know, everybody's favorite pick. Uh, I think it's actually going to be 2 nothing. I think they'll actually hold Columbus scoreless. But what the hell? Let's say 2-1. Red Bulls, they know what they have to do. They know they have to go into Philadelphia with that Eastern Conference lead. So there has to be absolutely no excuses this Sunday. Pat is going to hate me when I call 2 nothing victory and it actually happens. <laughs> 
Yeah, Just saying. Son of a right bitch. <laughs> hey, I waited until both of you made your picks before I wrote mine down. He you know went what? one dollar on us, Pat. He went one dollar. Yeah, he does this all. Yeah, he did. He did. He went one dollar. <laughs> he did. He's the, one, he's the guy everybody looks down at at the end. And then they boo when he spins the big ass wheel. Uh, hey, you may hate him, but he gets results. That's what I'm going to say. Don't hate the player, I hate the game. And speaking of results, that's what the Red Bulls are going to get this weekend. Oh, that was terrible. If, anyway. it, ha- if it happens, next week Jay is banned from the show. Uh, if, th- if that happens, I'm pretty sure I clinched a prediction. It, all the more reason you're just banned for a week. <laughs> Band. On the bright side, Pat, you can't move. You can move ahead of me, but you can't beat me this week. Because you're a point behind me. Whatever. I still get the belt next year. All right. So I'll, I'll send. I'll send you the uh, universal title instead of the. I just. The, de- the I just demand belt. a belt. Right? <laughs> How about a regular belt? Another belt. <laughs> anyway, uh, two nothing victory. Um, Red Bulls are. I think, except for Kleshin, nobody really played. I'm pretty sure even Lawrence didn't play this weekend, or this past week for anybody, so... Red Bulls should be pretty rested. Um, and as much as I complain about the fact that, you know, over half of this now 13-game unbeaten streak in MLS is ties, they are undefeated, so I still can't take that away from them. Which means that they're... They know how to get points, especially when it matters. Um... And only once all year if they drop the two goal leader home. I don't think that's actually going to happen again. And I know I know that. And I, if I jinx myself, whatever, I don't care. Um, so two nothing. I think Sasha Kleshner is going to come back, show once again why he should be the MVP candidate. Um, and then Bradley Phillips showing why is uh, going to score a goal or two and show why MLS pundits were wrong two years ago for not saying he was the MVP candidate because now goals are all that matter apparently. Um, yeah. It's funny how that works. You don't have Thierry Henry, and you can you know actually do it again. Now people are like, oh, maybe this guy actually knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, so I think that tandem, and then of course, um, I don't think Zubar's back, but you have Dax McCarty with another week of rest. Felipe, who plays almost every single game, has a week of rest. So I think it's going to be very important, especially with wanting to secure that buy in the first round, because that is not set in stone yet. Um, Montreal is out of reach, but Toronto is not, and that's all that matters. Is All you need is one team to knock you off that pedestal to yep. get down to third place. So, get that win, take New York City, take Toronto out of the equation, keep it in your hands, that's all that matters. Um, and here's a, a weird fact I realized when we were talking to Ariel. So, technically, and I know this is not going to happen, but technically, the Red Bulls still have a shot at the Shield. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's a reach, but they they do. It's they, five. They they would need to make up a five point gap in two weeks. Right, which, right. Which is not going to happen, but hey, we've seen epic class. You never know. Right. Hey, who did we beat at last year for the shield? Right, Dallas. Yep, and I believe it was an epic collapse too. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, probably. All right. Uh, so let's move on to the dumping ground. I uh, want to bring up. Probably one of the best troll jobs, if not the best troll job in Red Bull history. Uh, so there was an event at Bar 43 where uh, New York City FC had a meet and greet. Frank Lampard was there, and a uh, one particular Red Bulls fan decided to go. He and in this article is written about him by Christian Dyer. He actually said that he doesn't care which team it is; he'll go to meet and greets because he likes soccer. So he went to this meet and greet. A friend suggested that he get his ticket signed from the seven nothing victory earlier this year, and sure enough, he was able to get it signed. Even even pulling out the trick of flattening out the ticket and hiding which ticket it was. So nice. my question for you guys: Which is the better uh, sig- signature, Frank Lampard signing the ticket of the seven zero loss, or I can't remember who did it, but. Uh, the guy from D.C. when he signed a jersey. 
Okay, okay, hold on. I'm going to give you. We, let me fill in the blanks for you, Jay. Let me fill yeah, in the blanks. I, I, knew, I know the story. I remember the story. I don't remember the yeah. names. That's the first. Right, so, so, first of all, it wasn't just some fan. This was uh, ESC, now legend, uh, Pinto, Anthony Lynn, who got this signature uh, on the ticket. And anyone who knows Pinto, he's been around the Metro Stars and Red Bulls absolutely forever, as long as I can remember. I, um, I, we think also, actually, I think we've had him on the show before. Like during one, like during the first few years when we were doing like the actual post game shows, it's it's possible. Um, we have a running joke going where he somehow always appears on TV or in pictures. I, it's I don't know how he does it, but he's always in them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's. I mean, this was just absolutely outstanding. Now, if you want to talk about the DC, that was um, Thomas Binkley who brought a piss on DC jersey and got Ben Olsen to sign it. Ben Olsen, unknowing, now this was the player Ben Olsen, not the coach, uh, unknowingly signed what looked like a regular uh, jersey, and then got to have him hold up and take a picture with it, not knowing what it said on the opposite side from where they were taking the picture. <laughs> that all being said, I think the Ben Olsen uh, troll job was better, because dear God, that is brilliant. That's absolutely... Because, a- because of the photo? Yes, and it was at a because of the photo. It was at a DC. I think it was like at a, like a season ticket holder event um, because he had season tickets to DC because he, he lived down there. So we would just go to their games. Um, I, I think I. I mean, that's my favorite. Pinto did a great job with this. I mean, absolutely outstanding. Uh, but I, I give mine more to the the piss on DC jersey. I, uh, you know, uh, as much as it rankles some Red Bull fans for me to say this, I hate NYCFC way more than I hate DC, who I'm more just kind of, eh, fuck them about. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I think you have to go with the DC troll job because the ticket, I think, is easy to miss. It's pretty damn amazing that piss on DC got missed for both a signature and a photo. So, uh, yeah, I think you definitely got to go. That's the better troll job, um, you know, because the ticket, I mean, do you think, even if he hadn't flattened it out, do you think Lampard would have checked the date? I'm not so sure he would have. So, Probably not. So you got to go with the, the, the jersey sign for sure. All right. I, you answered my question. What's your Okay, well, come on. Come on. your opinion. Uh, see, I don't, see, I don't know, because it's, so, I feel like the meet and greet might be a little better. Not, and listen, I'm not discrediting the DC one because that's an amazing job. But here's my thing: like, and, and I guess it's kind of the same situation a little bit, right? Like, there's a lot going on. They're probably doing a lot of signatures. Um, actually, you know, what? I'm going to change my answer because I'm, I just realized something. It was probably, and this is going to sound a little stupid at first, but bear with me. I think the setting makes the difference. Not not even just the fact that there's a picture, but just the setting. So imagine a meet and greet at a bar, right? Like, aside from the fact that people are getting signatures, it's probably really crowded, really loud. There's not, maybe not a lot of light in the room. Where at a season ticket holder event, there has to, you know, if, if especially if it's at the stadium, there's plenty of light to see what's going on. So both in the signature and in taking the photo... How does Ben Olsen not know? Like, how do you like you're taking the photo? How do you not look down at the jersey at all? Like, it's just, I, I don't know. Anything? It's just amazing. It's 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 phenomenal. So did, here's my question: Did he ever look down at the jersey after the photo, or it was like a real quickly put away so he can, didn't have a chance to see it? Uh, I I don't know. I could always ask him. I mean, we we could find out all the information on this. I see. I think that would be the real key, right? Because if I'm going to pull the jersey off. If I can get to the point where I'm taking the photo with him, I very quickly fold the jersey up so he can't see what's going on. I, I think what we need to do is get Dyer to write an article about that that day. I, I think we need um, so the Seinfeld Commission on this one, right? <laughs> what what I would what I want uh, our listeners to do is if you have any other epic. Uh, troll jobs let us know send us an email or like shoot us like a voicemail because i would love to hear if, if you were involved in one if you've heard of one even if it's involves two completely different teams like if maybe you post in front of the rocky statue with a red bull scarf yeah you know or, stuff like that or you know put the scarf on the statue 
Right. It happen. I, it was a father and son that did it. I don't remember who their names are, but I remember them doing it. Um, uh, so now here's here's a, a question: What would be more impressive, trolling a fan or trolling a player? Well, uh, a player. No, a player, of course. Fans just uh, troll every see, day. You see, I well, I figured like in the situations like that, like not in singers and stuff. I figured fans would be a little more like wary of things and harder to trick, but. Okay, you, you're trying to pull one over me, aren't you, you? Just... Ah, you Red Bull fan, sneaky! <laughs> see, see some fan with Scooby next to him and pulls off a mask? Oh my mind. god! That's a big red machine! <laughs> it's Kane! Oh my god, he's back! He's back! He just trolled Ben Olsen! Damn you, Mr. McMahon! <laughs> Meanwhile, Kane is putting over. Is is finally actually putting talent over? Imagine that. <laughs> Do your job, Kane. All right. Now uh, he's putting over BWP. You know, other players. No, nobody puts over BWP like BWP does. <laughs> um, BWP jobs to nobody. <laughs> he, he's John Cena. That's who he is. But we like him, so it's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else with dumping ground? Uh, yeah, I got a few things, actually. Right. Uh, the, in the world of international soccer, both CONCACAF and FIFA have come out with uh, plans to overhaul uh, both the World Cup and World Cup qualifying. Uh, do you guys have a preference? Which one Which one we start with? No. Let's start with All the right. qualifying first. Let's work our way up to it. Yeah, that's Let's true. All right, cool. Just like the teams do. So, you know, the Canadian uh, Canadian president of CONCACAF, Victor Monta- Montagliani, uh, wants to do away with the hex and basically keep more of the CONCACAF minnows in the tournament for a longer period of time, uh, basically giving them uh, so that their hopes aren't pretty much destroyed two years before the World Cup and they have a greater chance of, in the end, qualifying. Um, I don't know if he has actually a specific plan uh, at the moment to do that, uh, but what are your thoughts of doing away with the hex? And he, uh, it seems strange that the person who's from Canada yeah. is suggesting this. Because <laughs> it seems like Canada is just always on the outside. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta admit. I mean, I believe it was uh, Jurgen Klinsmann who said something along the lines of. You want the U.S. Uh, playing better teams in the lead-up to uh, the World Cup, and I couldn't agree more. You def- the, the CONCACAF becomes far too diluted after the top four, even. Um, you know, so it's, it's definitely not something I want to see, because I do not want to go to the World Cup with the last meaningful match being against uh, St. Vincent and Grenadines. That is for sure. So... The one thing I can say in favor of this is that with UEFA starting this basically an international league in order to keep the friendlies inside their own region, there is a little bit of credence to doing this because there's less possibilities of playing teams from Europe. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side, there are teams from South America, from Africa, from Asia that that are better than the United States and are worth taking on. And not just the United States, but, you know, Costa Rica, Mexico, all the, basically every team in CONCACAF, like, even the Minnows are going to get, you know, some friendlies against some top talent. Wouldn't that help them more to play teams from outside? Wouldn't it help? Wouldn't it help our rankings in FIFA? Oh, sure. The, that, that for sure. Right, because that's where, and I don't know how the, the, the overhaul of the World Cup is, because I actually haven't heard all, all this stuff yet, but, you know, the way it is right now, what is the pots are determined, I think it's by seed. So, wouldn't you want your teams, especially the ones that are more likely to make the World Cup, to have a better shot of increasing their ranking and then getting better advantage, or a better spot in the World Cup group stage and, you know, actually advance and get some more recognition for the region? Right, right, yeah. Absolutely. So, I I overall, I think right now, and it probably depends on how the World Cup overhaul would go, but I think the, I think you shouldn't get rid of it. I just uh, no. I just like any kind of uh, qualifying that doesn't appear completely convoluted. Mm-hmm. 
as long as common Joe like me can understand exactly what's going on, I'm, I'm good with it. Because sometimes the qualifying to get into the hex looks a little bit weird when you first look at it. But I'm with you. It's like I'd rather play better teams at the end. I'd rather play Mexico twice. You know, those tough teams. Because that is the whole thing. The rankings absolutely do matter. As ridiculous as rankings can be, because we've seen it a hundred times, half the time they make no sense, but... I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. So, yeah, I would rather play better teams going into the World Cup, 100%. I'll say this much. If they actually go through with this, the U.S. needs to do U.S. Uh, and for that matter, Mexico, Costa Rica, maybe even the rest of the uh, Central American teams need to do everything they can to get into Conmebol so they can compete against top two. Yeah, going for sure. Game. All right, we, we done with that, that part of the World Cup? We oh. are. Now, part two. Part two. All right, FIFA president Gianni Infantino is proposing that the 2026 World Cup should expand from the 32-team format to either 40 or 48 teams. Oh, dear uh, God. Uh, I'll explain it with the 48 because it's a bit easier. Uh, no, the God, 48... please, no! No! <laughs> no! <laughs> so what would happen is that there would be, if, if it goes with the 48-team format, 16 t- teams would sort of get a first-round bye, and the remaining 32 would play a one-off uh, with, you know, t- 16 teams going home after one game before going into its traditional group stage. So what do you think about Wild Card World Cup? Okay. The only way I would approve this idea is if these one-off games were played at, you know, University of North Carolina, uh, Arizona State. I mean, come on. What is this? The NCAA tournament? That's completely ridiculous. It's completely ridiculous. You you were about to steal my exact logic, actually. (laughs) Just steal your material? Yeah, we don't need playing games. Dear God. Um, Here's my suggestion if they're going to go through with this. You already have playing games. They are called the point five seed out <laughs> of a region. Mm-hmm. What what is it? Concaf gets three point five right now. Yeah. So we already have a playing game. Why do we need more? Uh, uh, that I I couldn't tell you. Yeah. I really couldn't tell you. Personally, I think it's a shame that Tonga hasn't been able to qualify as the second <laughs> second highest team in uh, Oceania. So, really, can't we do it for Tonga? Can't we? Can we have Morocco play Florida International in one of those games? Absolutely. I mean, maybe we can get the Native Americans uh, tribes to start, like, like the <laughs> Iroquois team. How badass would that be? Oh, man. You know? As long as, that, as long as that game's at, like, Foxwoods. Oh, hell yeah. I'm in. Boom. You know, you know if Israel could be considered part of Europe and Oceania and Asia... <laughs> Does it really fucking matter? Seriously. Yeah. I, I, the only reason to do it is obvious. Money! Of course. You know, more, fan, more people around the world watching and caring for at least one game, and there you go. But, like, how would you even explain that to people? Oh, yeah, they made the World Cup final, but they lost in the first game. Yeah, wait, what? Don't, wait, uh. don't they get three games? No, because they didn't make it far enough. What do you mean they didn't make it far enough? Didn't they qualify for the World Cup? Yeah, but no, they didn't. Like, how do you explain it? Jay, the World Cup isn't about the winner. It's about camaraderie and the nations coming together to play the beautiful game and good in, sportsmanship. In December in Qatar, yeah. Yeah, in stadiums that was uh, built using slave labor. That was supposed That's supposed to have AC so they could play in the summer. Yeah, and nothing gives me a bigger boner than when the U.S. stomps on St. Vincent and Grenadines. So... <laughs> It is so exciting. Hey, nothing to do with the camaraderie. (laughs) Come on, you you know how much American exceptionalism matters here. (laughs) Well, so what if we have to play one more game, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, I I no, just no. Like I understand some money grab. I understand that, but honestly, like when I I haven't watched the like really followed the NCAA tournament for like say two years. But the years that I did and they had the playing game, I didn't fucking care. Because you know why? You know why? And this is going to sound really stupid. But the reason I didn't care was because those teams weren't part of the bracket. Nobody cared about them enough to make you pick the games. Right. If they didn't didn't matter enough to pick in the bracket, why does it matter in the actual games? 
It's pretty much like I picked them to lose the next game anyway. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then and then this is and this is the worst part, right? So who gets those playing games? Is it is it actually? Well, no. Is it going to be based on the FIFA World Rankings? Uh, because no, because if it is, right? Like United States, Mexico. Let's use that as an example. So going into the last World Cup, which was the higher ranked team in FIFA? United States or Mexico? Uh, U.S. was. All right, that's a bad example. Costa Rica. Let's use them because so they were they were ranked lower than Mexico probably going into the last World Cup, right? Sure. Yeah. All right. Who got seated higher? I don't remember. If it goes on FIFA rankings, it's Mexico. Who is the team that had to do the extra playing games? Mexico. So, you know, if if you're telling me it doesn't like that a team can be that point five of a team from a region to make it to the World Cup and then get to skip the playing game, then why even bother? Because yeah, now all you're doing is punishing a team that possibly made it without having to be that point five of a team for not being in the right region or not playing the right people for the last three years to have a lower ranking than the team that had to play extra games to make the World Cup to begin with. That This is, of course, assuming that they use rankings as a way to seed those games. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, nah. Yeah. I think it's crazy. So. You obviously know what I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's stupid. In the end, that's pretty much what it comes down to. It's dumb. Well, it is FIFA, so... It's FIFA. I mean, just now that they can't be corrupt, they're trying to figure out ways to make more money. And be more corrupt. Because <laughs> yes. now those now those FIFA rankings look a little bit more suspicious, right? Yeah, pretty much. Alright, uh, anything else? Uh, just the good news that Daniel Royer uh, looks like he might be back sooner than later. So that's hey. good. Yeah. Red, Bull's coming, back, Red Bull's coming yeah. back from injury. Imagine that. Yeah, we're talking about the Red Bulls. How weird. Crazy. What a weird podcast. I thought, I thought this was a FIFA show for a while. I don't know what it is anymore. I don't know what's happening. I mean, it's political a hour, ground. FIFA hour, like... The dumping ground becomes anything. We're going <laughs> to start talking about, like, the Trans-Pacific uh, Partnership soon enough, right? We're just going to yeah. be, like, all over the place. Yep. Um, all right, anything else? Nope, uh, I'm good. Terrible Team of the Week, or do you have anything else, Truman? No, I do have a Terrible Team of the Week, though. I do. And I really, listen, I had to reach for this one, but it was uh, such a terrible game, such a god-awful result. I can't let it go. I'm sorry, but Rutgers lost 78 nothing to Michigan at home, okay? God damn. It's 78-0. Holy shit. That's right. And what did they lose the week before? Was it 56-0, to zero, something equally horrible? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm sorry. I don't care what sport it is. 78 to 0 at home is absolutely disgusting and humiliating. I don't care that the team was ranked fourth in the country. I don't care. Good God. Good God, Rutgers. In front of 200 recruits. Yep. Woof. Yeah, how many of them oh. are going to Rutgers? I don't know, but egad. Yeah. Look, look on the bright side. Rutgers is bringing the big to the big conference. Oh, boy. <laughs> is it actually the big conference? Because I don't remember what it's called anymore. Uh, well, Big Ten. I actually suggested okay. uh, on Twitter that night that they can move to the medium the medium Ten conference. Yeah. Otherwise known as the Big East. The, yeah. def- the defunct football Big East. Yeah. Well, hey, at least they'll win it then. Oh, 78-0. Yeesh. All right. Um, so I just want to make sure nothing else before we get out of here. That is all I have. Yep, Truman's that sounds... more mad just because of Rutgers. Oh, I, I, I didn't want to bring it up again, but still. Oof. All right, so let's... Wait, you got something else, Pat? Nope. All right, so let's wrap this one up. You can visit us at com slash red hyphen bowl hyphen rant. Patreon.com slash Red Bull Rant. Throw a few bucks our way. Help us support the show. Red Bull Rant at gmail.com. We want to hear your troll stories for soccer, football, baseball, anything. We want yeah, to hear please. Stories. And, you know what you what you think about on a Saturday night. You know, you know you're taking a bitch. It's just, just tell us what you're thinking about. That sounds like a little bit like Peter Griffin. No, that's not a Peter. No, Griffin. okay, no. maybe it's just me then. No. My my ears are a little uh, screwed up because of congestion. So sorry. Um, <laughs> you can call us at nine seven three three four eight five three two nine if you want to give us an audio version of your troll stories. Go there. Um, Facebook.com dot com slash rebel rant. 
on Twitter at Red Bull Rant for the show, at Dr. Stooge for myself, at PMACD82 for Pat, at The Truman for Truman. Subscribe to our show pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. I'm done listening out different places. Um, last words before we get out of here. Two games Sunday. I want two big wins. Yeah, let's get a win, baby. And uh, like we said, two games to go. Two games left in the regular season for the MLS. Two games left to the USL Championship. Works on multiple levels. Yeah. For Pat Truman and myself, this has been episode number 204 of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you guys for tuning in. As always, go Red Bulls and go Red Bulls too. Peace out. Lates.